Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Welcome back to Total Teen Health and Wellness. This is your host, Dr. Shauna Garza. For episode 21, we're going to review the risk of marijuana in teens and young adults. This question comes up very often in my practice in adolescent medicine, both from patients and parents alike. And they want to know, is it ever safe for a teen or young adult to use marijuana? There's a lot of confusing information, and they don't really know how that might affect their teen. Patients have easy access. That has been the case for many, many years. And now we have even easier access due to the fact that neighboring states offer marijuana for medical use and for recreational use. So many of these patients may be traveling out of state with family or friends and have easy access. And then we know just the transport of marijuana across state lines is something that happens very readily. So teens and young adults know where to find it, either through online access. I've heard many stories about patients getting marijuana through Snapchat, um, also through their family access, and then just traditional kind of buying illicit drugs um, through their other contacts. There was a recent study done by the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, and it showed that in the states that have legalized marijuana, there is a higher rate of disordered use in adolescents and young adults. And so we know when there's easier access, that can create problems in young people. And I'll go through the reasons that we see these concerns. I want to mention that marijuana comes in different forms, of course, and there were some legalized forms in Texas. Some of that has been illegalized more recently, but things you might have heard of are something called Delta-8 THC, Delta-9 THC, Delta-10. These were products that were sold in small amounts combined with CBD, and patients were finding them at vape stores and convenience stores. CBD in itself is related to marijuana, and of course that's readily available and accessible in our state of Texas. Again, medical marijuana is something that is regulated by the states that allow that, and that is for patients for certain medical conditions and psychiatric conditions where those patients qualify, get a license or card identifying them for that use, and then those patients are able to access based on those diagnoses that they have. Of course, that's not what we're seeing in Texas. We do want patients to understand that the risk to teenagers is very different than the risk to adults. Much of that has to do with the teenage developing brain, and I'll get into why we worry about that. First, I'd like to talk about just what acute intoxication looks like. 
Most parents know what that looks like, and they might have their own experience in their younger days that most users take marijuana, whether it's in inhaled forms or edible forms, to get high. It is important to note that marijuana that's available now is much, much stronger and concentrated than marijuana even from 10 years ago. So patients may use the same amount, but have a more profound effect of getting intoxicated or high. Acutely, patients can have impaired attention and concentration, short-term memory loss, It may be hard for them to really think clearly through decisions and affect their executive functioning. And there are even more severe adverse effects. Many parents may think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's pretty benign in the sense that it doesn't cause any real medical issues or addiction. And maybe it's not that big of a deal to let my son at 17 smoke marijuana here and there. But there are adverse effects that can be very serious and can even require hospitalization. And that involves severe nausea and vomiting, low blood pressure that causes fainting, delirium, which is where patients are disoriented and unaware of their surroundings and environment. They may have extreme panic attacks and anxiety to the point where patients are very worried that something bad physically is happening to them. And then they can even have jerking of their extremities and body that looks like a seizure. So many of these things that parents may see or friends may see may trigger patients to go actually seek a care in an acute care setting. There also is what's called acute psychosis, and that's associated with many of these higher potency marijuana products such as DAB, which is a concentrated resin and other resin-based products. So, of course, acute psychosis in a teen is very worrisome, and that is where patients are not able to keep themselves safe. They are delusional and having hallucinations and disoriented, and that really is a psychiatric emergency where patients would need to possibly be even admitted to a behavioral health hospital for treatment and observation. I've also seen in practice a condition known as cannabis hyperemesis, which is marijuana-induced vomiting. Patients can have excessive frequent vomiting, even way after the fact that when they've actually used marijuana. It's a lasting symptom. They can have dehydration. It can lead to significant weight loss, and it can last up to weeks of duration after even stopping use. So that's something patients don't know about and can really affect their health and require frequent ER visits for IV fluids and treatment. With inhalation or smoking, there's always the risk of associated vape lung injury. And that is something we see with use of vape products that can cause shortness of breath, it can cause cough and chest pain, even respiratory failure. In extreme cases, patients have needed ventilation support because of injury to their lungs from vaping marijuana. Those are the physical things we hear about and want patients to really understand as a risk of use. What I also get very concerned with is the risk to their mental health. 
There are many mood changes that relate to chronic marijuana use that can affect their mental health in the short term and even in the long term. Many mood changes really seem like a persistent depressive disorder, major depression, general anxiety. They may have irritability and sleep and appetite changes. And we also know that many patients that have underlying bipolar disorder can have worsening of those symptoms. Patients can have new onset mania related to heavy marijuana use, as well as worsening of manic symptoms in those patients that are already diagnosed with a bipolar disorder. One effect on the brain that is not really discussed is how chronic and heavy marijuana use can affect intelligence and learning. So it actually can cause dysfunction in patients' cognitive abilities. There have been studies that have shown that especially heavy use during the adolescent years can actually lead to loss of IQ. And so when we hear about patients that are 15 and 16 years old that are using marijuana heavily and daily, we want them to really understand how that may impact them long-term and their ability to learn and how that affects their functioning in school, both in high school, college, and beyond. We worry about another part of effect called psychosocial functioning. So cannabis use disorder is when marijuana use is causing dysfunction for patients, and that may cause impairment at school and work, meaning that they're failing, they're not getting work turned in, they're not showing up for work on time, they're losing their job because of their attendance or performance there. They may give up things that they previously enjoyed, such as different social activities or hobbies, and isolate, really giving the marijuana use the priority with their time and attention. And they may have persistent interpersonal problems related to conflict with family, with friends, other relationships. These are the areas that I often hear parents most concerned about. Parents will bring in patients suspecting marijuana use, and what they really see on the outside is a teen who is falling behind in school, is not passing classes, is skipping school, has lost a job, has lost friends, quit their sport, their other activities, and that's what they are most concerned about because they see on the outside how that use is affecting their teen. Marijuana use has also been associated with much more severe and serious mental health issues. There have been several studies that have showed that chronic marijuana use, especially in early adolescence, leads to an increased risk of psychosis and even the development of schizophrenia. Patients are not aware of this, and I often discuss this risk so that they really understand that this is not a benign, simple thing that's just having fun with their friends or that's just helping them self-medicate other mental health issues, that it literally can affect their IQ, it can lead them to developing serious mental illness that will affect their functioning throughout their life. 
And the reason all of this is unique to adolescents is because the teen brain is developing. Many parents know this, but it's important to know that the brain is not fully mature until age 25. And so marijuana use in an adult looks different and has different effects and inherently has less risk, especially to mental health and IQ and the psychotic symptoms I mentioned. So because the brain is developing, marijuana interferes with its development and with its function. There are higher rates of mental health issues in teens who use marijuana. It has more of a negative effect on mental health in teens than it does in adults. Again, worsening depression, worsening anxiety, worsening sleep issues, and paranoia. The other piece that's very significant is there's an increased risk of addiction. Many parents will say, well, marijuana is not addictive. There's no way that my teen's going to use heavily and get addicted because it's not addictive. As I mentioned, the marijuana that's available now is much, much stronger than marijuana from 10 and 20 years ago. And so that chemical has an effect on brain chemistry. There's a statistic that up to 10% of people who use marijuana regularly will have a likelihood of developing a dependence on marijuana. And the reason that that, again, is more seen in young people is that when they start using earlier, that affects the brain function and wiring. And so by using earlier and more frequently, that risk is increased. We also know that heavy marijuana use in adolescents, if it doesn't lead to dependence on marijuana, actually increases other substance use disorders. And that is because it activates the part of the brain that is wired for addiction, and that relates to dopamine and the reward pathway in the brain. So these are things that I talk through with patients for them to really be educated and understand the risk and hopefully to empower them to make healthy decisions for themselves, to keep themselves healthier and to really protect their mental health. I do want to talk about what does marijuana use disorder look like. We don't use the term addiction as a diagnosis anymore, but Marijuana use disorder refers to a dysfunctional use of marijuana that's impacting patients' functioning and their health. And so I want to go through some areas of that that parents may see in their child and really would be a reason to work with a professional like a therapist and physician to help address these concerns. It may be that they hear about their teen using more marijuana than they intended, trying to quit but failing to quit. Maybe there's been a consequence such as getting pulled from regular school and sent to an alternative school and even there having regular drug tests and being told they have to pass those drug tests in order to return to regular high school. These are examples of stories I hear about from patients. Well, when a patient is trying to quit in order to have a negative drug test but failing, that definitely can be a sign of a disordered use. 
Patients may spend a lot of time using marijuana. They're using multiple times a day. They wake up to it. They go to bed to it. It's something that occupies a lot of their time and attention. They may have cravings. There may be physical and even emotional cravings for marijuana. They use marijuana even though it is causing them a lot of problems. As I mentioned, problems at school, problems at home, work, in those areas of life that we want to see our kids functioning well in and building independence in, when kids are not able to do that and manage that due to marijuana, then that's a problem. That means that that use of marijuana is a problem. They're not handling that in a balanced way. They continue to use marijuana despite social and relationship problems. It may be that they've lost friends over this or relationships or, again, the kind of conflict we see between parent and child related to ongoing marijuana use and discipline issues. They may give up important activities that they have with their friends and family in favor of using marijuana, often alone. I'll I'll ask patients that when they talk about drinking and marijuana, is it, do they ever do it by themselves? Is it always something they have access to through their friends, or are they choosing to use that by themselves instead of being with their friends? Using marijuana in a high-risk situation, such as driving a car, is a sign of disordered use. Continuing to use it despite having psychological problems That's a big one. I hear from patients that come in to see me because of the anxiety they're having and because of sleep issues and low mood and depression, apathy, all these things. And as I talk to them and say, this is really worsened by marijuana. By using marijuana, the medications we're giving you aren't even going to help you as much as we would hope. And if they continue to use despite having those mental health issues, then that's a sign of disordered use. Often patients will build a tolerance, meaning they need to use more marijuana to get the same effect or same high, and that shows dependence and disorder. And sometimes patients won't even have an intoxicated or high feeling, that they're really just using it to be at their baseline functioning. Some patients will have some withdrawal symptoms when they stop. They'll have physical feelings of feeling discomfort and physical symptoms when they stop, and that shows that they have disordered use. So when we hear about these things, we want parents and patients to know that they're not alone. There's a lot of help out there for these issues, and it's not something that they just have to quit cold turkey on their own and not know how else to manage. Working with a physician that can help treat the underlying mental health and physical issues, working with a therapist who deals with chemical dependency and drug use to really help them work through finding other ways of coping, and even considering higher levels of care of treatment. Treatment for marijuana use can be in a more intensive setting, like in an outpatient setting where they get daily support, or even in a treatment setting where patients spend 30 to 60 days to work through the behaviors that got them to using regularly and how to help better cope with their underlying feelings that may have led to use. 
Again, I know as parents, these are hard things to talk about with your children, and often we don't have all the right information. And so I hope that this episode helped provide some true, valid information around marijuana use in teens. Again, I don't minimize the use. I tell patients we really have to understand the risk and to understand the effect that it's having on their physical and mental well-being. I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening today. If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives. Thank you.